that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Soccer here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Plenty to talk about today. A lot has happened in the past 24 hours. Uh, we discussed late in the show yesterday about Louisville possibly getting a recruit, uh, P.J. Dozier, a, a, a tall point guard from South Carolina really was ultimately choosing between Louisville and South Carolina last night or yesterday when I ended the show. I wasn't exactly sure what time he was announcing. Turns out it was at 1230 today. So that decision has been made. And if you didn't know, he picked South Carolina over Louisville. Uh, Louisville's not the only one with some recruiting news today. Kentucky, obviously, a big day tomorrow as Isaiah Briscoe and Scal Labissier will make their college decisions. Uh, talked about yesterday on the show how I'd be surprised if Scalabissier didn't choose Kentucky tomorrow. And Isaiah Briscoe, it's it's a bit more unclear. It depends who you ask. Uh, I, I'm still gathering information, not quite ready to make a prediction, but there's a there's a much better, a significantly better chance UK gets both commitments than none. And you know, I, I would put it right now that maybe it's sixty forty. Briscoe goes to UK versus not going to UK, uh, but pretty confident on Scalabissier, although there's a big kicker there in his recruitment, and we're, we're going to talk a lot about that today and what it means. We talked about it yesterday, but more news coming out today. Gary Parrish writes a column in CBS Sports about the troubles that Scalabissier may face in enrolling in a college, so uh, plenty to talk about on the recruiting side of things, which obviously makes me happy. Uh, but we're also going to talk some football, UK, Tennessee. This weekend, we podcasted for Cats Illustrated today. And the more I talk about it, the less optimistic I am about Kentucky, not only keeping the game close in Knoxville, um, but certainly I, I don't see a, a scenario where they where they win. So we'll talk more about that, why I feel that way. Basketball season starting soon. Uh, Cats will open up with some cupcakes. Louisville, Minnesota could be an exciting game. I'm curious to see Louisville fans how worried they are and possibly opening the season with a loss to Rick Pitino's son. So uh, plenty to talk about today. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? One thing I forgot to mention is it is Wednesday, so you know what that means, Yates. That's right. That means Ask Yates Wednesday. I don't know if you responded to that. If so, I, I couldn't hear you through Skype. But uh, So we'll do that in the last segment, segment probably. Weather outside is not – yesterday I, <laughs> I described the weather as ugly but said that it was decent because the temperature is high. It's, it's low today. It's ugly outside. So there's no good coming out of the weather today. Uh, National Signing Day started today. Plenty of news, not really UK or or Louisville related, but uh, Kentucky will have likely two commits or one or two commits signed tomorrow. And then Charles Matthew, who has already committed, committed early in 2014, will sign on Friday. And a lot has been made about Charles Matthews, and uh, he continues to drop in rankings and 
really hasn't been it wasn't a seller st- summer for him uh, as he starts his senior high school so what can Kentucky expect with Charles Matthews because right now he's you know he's the only guarantee uh, in this recruiting class um, currently ranked in the lower 50s and rivals he's a four star I've heard some UK fans discuss possibly you know, maybe Kentucky moving on from him because he hasn't turned out to be the player that many thought he'd be. That's just ridiculous. You need some players like Charles Matthews when you're trying to run a one-and-done system like this. Charles Matthews is going to be a guy that's going to be around for a few years, potentially four years. He's a guy that may never start for UK, but without a doubt will we'll somewhere down the road play significant minutes. And he does have all the tools uh, to be a great defensive stopper in college. Offensively, he's not bad. He's never going to be a guy that's going to take over a game and score 20 points, but he will be a guy that might score eight points, get eight rebounds, a few, you know, four assists, five assists, a few blocks, do a little bit of everything. So there's a lot to like about his game, and it's understandable why UK fans aren't as excited. He was injured for part of the summer, uh, but there's a lot there to like. You just got to be patient with him. And the good news with UK and the team that they're building, assuming that they're going to get a few more commits, especially at the guard position, there's not going to be any pressure for Charles Matthews to immediately have to come in and and dominate. You're likely to have Tyler Ulis, Devin Booker back. And and also remember that Tyler Ulis and Charles Matthews played on the same AAU team together. So there's some chemistry there. You're likely to have both those guys back. You might add Isaiah Briscoe. You might add Antonio Blankney. You could add Malik Newman. You add those guys, and and Charles Matthews is going to be able to learn, develop into a college player like most college teams do with their freshmen. Not the case at Kentucky generally, but it'll allow him to kind of develop a little bit. So Kentucky fans should be excited about him. Louisville has three commits, uh, and despite missing out on P.J. Dozier this morning – uh, still, you know, a top five recruiting class, top three recruiting class early on in the signing period. They have Dang Adele, Donovan Mitchell, and Raymond Spalding. I'm not 100% sure when those guys are planning to sign. I would imagine most of those guys would be signing in the early period, maybe even today. Raymond Spalding's a, a Mr. Basketball in Kentucky candidate, has a solid chance to win it. And then, obviously, there's plenty to like about Donovan Mitchell, who was one of the most surprising, pleasantly surprising players in the summer. And Dang Adele will be perfect in Patino's system with how long he is. So uh, we'll get a better idea about UK recruiting after tomorrow. But neither Louisville or Kentucky are hurting for recruits at this point in the in the process. So we're gonna uh, we'll talk a little bit more recruiting specifically about Scalabissier on the show today. Netherlands and Mexico playing soccer, which it's kind of a weird time for soccer to be on TV, international friendlies going. And most of these teams, from what I can tell, Mexico and the Netherlands are playing some of their significant players, certainly some players that made an impact in the World Cup. Kind of surprised to see it, but I'm happy to see it. It's fun, and this is not doing me any favors. And, uh, my World Cup withdrawals, it, it just 
it really, really is mind-numbing knowing that the next World Cup I'll be 23 years old. Uh, long ways away. But there'll be some exciting soccer and tournaments and qualifying between now and then. That will be fun. But there's nothing quite like the World Cup, and we're going to have to wait a long time. We were spoiled this summer being able to watch it on TV every day. Want to hear from you on the on the show today, uh, recruiting, football, whatever it may be. Stove in the G-Chat says Donovan Mitchell reminds him of a young Russell Westbrook. Call him crazy, but he loves him. I, that, that, I, that's uh, an awfully big comparison, Donovan Mitchell, to Russell Westbrook. Um, I will say that Russ, or that Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, as is as explosive as a player, and I do like his skill set. It, it it's not as polished, maybe as as other guard recruits in the class of 2015. Um, but with the right coaching, you know, he'll, he'll be a, a solid contributor maybe from day one, probably from day one for UofL. And remember, we do have Ask Yates Wednesday, so we're going to want you to get your questions in. Rob Blackhawk tweets in and says, your thoughts on the hockey season so far? Uh, I haven't really paid much attention to it. I did go into my phone the other day and have to delete notifications for Bruins scores, and I still get the final score, um, but I was getting updates for every score, and then I realized that I just don't care about hockey nearly enough to care about that. Not at all. So I had to I had to delete that. Um, one of my old roommates was a big Chicago Blackhawks fans, and he that's all he tweets about. So, I, you know, besides that, I haven't been following hockey and, and won't. Because it's basketball season. I mean, it, it starts on Friday. And like I mentioned on the show yesterday, it's fun that you're going to get some good games early on. Now, for Kentucky, you're going to have to wait until Tuesday to get those exciting games. That exciting game, rather. Kentucky, Kansas. And you'll also get Michigan State, Duke, which, you know, not really sure what to expect out of Michigan State this year. We're going to have a college basketball preview show on Friday where that's going to be, with the exception of maybe my PT picks of the week, it's going to be a, a, a show devoted to college basketball as Kentucky and Louisville start their seasons on Friday. But for a team like Louisville, you know, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that they're going to come out of this game with a win. Yates, did you see Louisville's jerseys against uh, Minnesota? I did see them, yes. What'd you think? Uh, I liked them, other than the sleeve. I still despise all the sleeved jerseys that Adidas wants to put out there, but overall I thought that, that the jerseys for Friday's game were not bad. Yeah, I, I, I always love those camo jerseys that they do. Uh, who was it? Was it Michigan State and North Carolina maybe last year? I thought those were awesome. I haven't seen Minnesota's jerseys. I would like to I'd like to see them if possible. And it looks like the Netherlands scored, but it might be offsides because nobody's celebrating. Um sorry, I'm just used to watching soccer and doing the radio show and looking up and talking about what's going on. Not that this game means anything, and I know nobody listening cares. Uh, I haven't seen Minnesota's jerseys for this game. Are they wearing uh, a, a camo um, jersey? 
That I'm not sure of. I, if they are, I haven't seen I haven't seen them either, but you'd think that they would. Uh, I thought it was really cool to see Rick Pitino and his son do joint press conference yesterday. I thought that was a nice touch when previewing this game. Um, kind of jumping all over the place. Stove back in the G-chat says that he grew up in Chicago and Blackhawk fans are the worst. You'd never even know they knew what hockey was until the Blackhawks would get lucky and have a deep run in the in the in the playoffs. Uh, that again, I, you know, I I like I don't like the Bruins necessarily. I like teams from Boston. I hope they do well. Yeah, I, I've watched some hockey before. It's been fun to follow. I watched when the Bruins played the Blackhawks. Uh, and it was fun for a time, but just never, I, I've, I don't think I'll ever be a guy that can, will turn on hockey on just a random game and be able to watch. But anyways, back to this game. Uh, yeah, let's just say, and we'll talk more about this game on, on Friday and we'll talk a lot more about college basketball on Friday, but if Louisville were to lose to Minnesota, what would that do with you being a Louisville fan for your season expectations? Would it do anything at all? No, not really. I mean, Patino teams are notoriously slow starters. Uh, Louisville struggled last year in the first game of the tournament against Manhattan, who's coached by Massiello, who's a Patino assistant. So, I mean, the fact that Richard has coached for his dad and is – his son, he's obviously pretty familiar with what Rick's going to do. So, you know, if they end up losing the game, you know, it, it's not the end of the world by any means. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, it'll be unfortunate to lose, but it won't really affect my outlook on the season. And here's and one thing is Minnesota's likely to be a tournament team last year. They're, they were won the NIT last year that made for the, the famous – Rick Pitino being in the background coaching uh, while his son was coaching to an NIT championship. And, uh, but so Minnesota is going to be a team that's going to make the tournament. Now, I, I don't think they're a team that's going to make a sweet 16. Uh, you know, I think they're going to be losing the first or second round. But here's, here's the interesting, interesting thing for how long with Pitino at Louisville, was it almost a guarantee that he was going to drop uh, a November or December game to a bad opponent? Uh, it just it, it would all. It seemed like it was almost a guarantee that they would have some sort of hiccup, a bad game, and you know that argument Yates that they started slow and it took time for them to develop was 100 percent true. But the last two years, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Now they've uh, their national championship year they lost to Duke early on in the year. And last year they lost to North Carolina and Kentucky early on in the year, but those were two good teams. Those weren't Western Kentuckys or some of the you know the inferior opponents that they've lost to in the past. So uh, this will be interesting. Uh, it, it, history says that traditionally Patino could lose a game like this, but I think talent-wise Louisville's a lot better than Minnesota. So, uh, I, but I do agree with you. You're, even if they were to lose, you couldn't take too much away from this game. Uh, and it's always an interesting setup there. They're going to be playing on a U.S. Coast Guard base in Puerto Rico, and um, it should be 
uh, it should make for a good a good setting, and it's always fun to be able to play in front of troops in that in that setting. Um, Kentucky, not nearly the quality of opponent that Louisville is going to pl- play on day one. They're going to play Grand Canyon, and if there's one thing about Grand Canyon, is they've got a lot of depth. Anyone? No. See, this is. I, I laughed, but my mic was off, so you couldn't hear me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's the thing about doing the show alone is that nobody hears the joke. Uh, and I don't hear anybody laugh, at least, from the joke. So um, that was a, a stupid, stupid joke. That, um, anyways. So you're not going to be able to learn much from UK against Grand Canyon. They're going to beat them, they're going to beat them big. And uh, then they're going to play Buffalo on Sunday. They're going to win that game. They're going to win that game big. So we won't learn anything at all until Kentucky plays Kansas uh, next Tuesday, which is uh, Champions Classic. It's just great. You have Kentucky. Can- I mean, last year you had four top five teams playing in Chicago. This year, you know, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, top five teams. Michigan State a little bit on the outside. Um, but what a great event. And we've got some time before that. But what you want to see out of Kentucky in these early games – it's just consistency. You more so are going to be able to key in on players and, and see how they do. And really, you're not going to be able to – anything good they do, you can discredit it because they're going to be playing a bad opponent. Um, you know, Anything bad they do, you could chalk up to a bad game. So really, you can't take too much away. The only thing I want to see in UK's first games against some of these inferior opponents is shoot well. Because that's something that you should be able to do against good opponents, bad opponents. It shouldn't matter. You're going to have open shots in no matter in, in any games, and you might have more against a team like Grand Canyon or Buffalo. But be able to knock down outside shots, and they were able to do that against Georgetown on Sunday, but they weren't able to do it against Pikeville in the first exhibition. So I think the jury's still out on whether or not UK's perimeter shooting. It doesn't even have to be a strength on the team. It just can't be a weakness. And if it's just if you're just an average to good three point shooting team, then I, I you know I don't see a scenario where this Kentucky where you're going to be able to guard this Kentucky team. That doesn't mean that they're not going to lose or they're going forty zero because that kind of talk is ridiculous. Ridiculous. But it would be it, it would I think take away some worries in this team. Before we head to our our. First commercial break, Yates. I saw Interstellar last night. What'd you think? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe my expectations were a little bit too high. It was entertaining. It was a long movie that flew by. So I guess at the end of the day, that's what you want out of a movie is to be entertained. But there were unanswered questions. Um, there, there was a lot of. You know, I'd, I'd like to talk with somebody about it that's seen it. I'm not going to talk about it on the show today because I'm not going to talk about the details of it on the show today because I don't want any spoilers uh, for the listeners out there. But there's a lot of, you know, why couldn't they just have done this question that I feel uh, are legitimate questions that I'm sure maybe, you know, somebody smarter would be able to come in and, and tell me why that, that wouldn't work. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie with a lot of twists, a lot of turns. It's entertaining. Again, I just wasn't maybe necessarily happy with the ending or the last hour. And not because it wasn't good. I just didn't like where they were going with it. Uh, But overall, it should be a movie that I think most people see. And if my recommendation 
is going to scare you away, or maybe lack of recommendation will scare you away, then it's definitely a movie you should see, watch at home. Because this is a long movie. Long movies are, are better to watch at home. You can take breaks. So, no spoilers. I would suggest seeing it. Enjoyable. Uh, but a lot of unanswered questions that, again, you know, maybe I just missed. Maybe I didn't quite get it. But I, I don't know if that's the case. Anyways, we're going to head to our first commercial break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk... All this nonsense about Scalabissier. Gary Parrish wrote an article today saying that his guardian was asking AAU coaches how he could make money off Scalabissier. So we'll talk more about that. that that's, that's, that's troublesome. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. I'll bring the fire till you're soaking in your seat. It's not a fluke, it's been tried, I'm the truth. Since turn out the lights from the world-class wrecking crew. I'm still at it, after mathematics. In the home of drive-bys and agmatics. Swap meets, sticky green and bad traffic. I dip through, then I give you the DRA. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Some news, uh, Twitter news over the break. Florida State's code of conduct hearing into allegations against Jameis Winston have been delayed. Now, they were supposed to be, uh, I believe, maybe last week, two weeks ago, and they were delayed then. Now they're delayed until December 1st. Now here's the kicker, which is hilarious. I mean, it's just... It's comical at this point. Once the hearing is completed, and this comes from Rachel Axon, once the hearing is completed, Florida State's Code of Conduct allows for 10 class-slash-exam days before a decision is due. So they'll let you get settled in to finish your courses, do what you need to do before a decision is made. But... First, winter break is December uh, is about a week and a half after that. So, because of winter break, if the hearing concluded on December fifth, because it's going to be a few days to hear everybody's side of the stories and and talk about it, no decision could be made because you, you have to. Everybody, the university shuts down. No decision could be made until January 13th. Now, in case you were wondering, the first semifinal date for the playoffs, January 1st. The college football playoff championship game in AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Arlington, Texas. That's January 12th. So, Jameis Winston, if he's suspended... If he's kicked out of Florida State, whatever they decide to do likely won't come until maybe a day after the national championship game. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I understand. If, but if you're, how can Florida State's academic side of things, who is al- already being embarrassed, has already been embarrassed by Florida State football? Look at the. Look at the Music City Bowl where they had half their team suspended. 
how could they be okay with this sidestepping that Jameis Winston and the football team is doing? And the sad thing is they might be okay with it. It might be them that said, all right, well, this date works, knowing this exact scenario. So it's almost comical at this point just how winning is all that matters for a university like Florida State. And not that it wouldn't be the case at plenty of other universities. They know that they have no chance without Jameis Winston. Got to keep him going as long as possible. Because even with what he did in the library when he yelled up on the table and yelled some stupid phrase, you know, that could get him in trouble. Let alone the rape allegations. So, uh, just an interesting note from Florida State and what's going on with that situation. Stove says in the G chat, all outside nonsense aside, how is Florida State dropping in the polls when they haven't lost in two years? That comes from the college football playoff. That came out, which has Mississippi State number one, Oregon number two, Mississippi State number, or excuse me, Florida State number three, and then TCU slides in at number four. Alabama's number five. I don't get it. I don't get it at all where the college football playoff committee can say that Oregon's Oregon losing at home to Arizona is who's 14th is a better loss than Alabama losing at Ole Miss in a, a ridiculous fashion to an extent. I mean, that, they played that game very close, had every opportunity to win it, and lost. Yet the committee not only thinks that Oregon's win is better than Alabama, or Oregon's loss is better than Alabama's, and Ole Miss is number 10, Arizona's number 14. But they think it's three spots better than them, and they feel that their one loss to Arizona is better than Florida State being undefeated. And Stove makes a good point. Florida State's the defending champs. You know, that shouldn't necessarily count for anything going into this season. You know, if Florida State were to lose a game, you couldn't say, well, they lost a game, but they are last year's defending champs, so that should count for something. No, but when they're still undefeated with the same great player that led them to a national championship last year, you know, I, I don't necessarily care that they dropped a spot to Oregon. I think it's wrong. I think it's silly at this point to put a one-loss team, especially a team that lost at home ahead of a team that's undefeated. But at the end of the day, right now, Mississippi State should be number one. So it doesn't really matter if you're number two or number three. You're playing that team anyways. So, you know, I don't necessarily care. I disagree with it. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid that Oregon's even in the top four. TCU has a better resume, in my opinion. Alabama does. The 
the list could go on and on. Uh, you know, I just I'm you don't lose at home. You don't lose at home in college football, and it, it, to be reconsidered, things have to happen. Right now, Oregon's number two. They're ahead of a team that is undefeated. I just don't think you can justify losing at home right now. Now, of course, if Florida State loses, Mississippi State loses, then then you go to the one-loss teams. But I think right now you have to put the undefeated teams ahead of everybody else. But it will be interesting to watch the college football playoff. It, it's already fun. It's fun to see. It's fun to get upset about this. And there's without a doubt, I mean, you're going to have a, plenty of teams that feel they're getting hosed at the end of the year. And you could make a case, you know, you can make a case the other way also, but you can make a case that there's going to be more controversy from this than the BCS. And you're going to have more teams that are upset from this than the BCS. Because you're likely to have a year, you're likely this year, where Florida State might be your only undefeated team at the end of the year. And then you're going to have plenty of one-loss teams, maybe two-loss teams that are in the question. But you're going to have plenty of one-loss teams that some are going to be in and some are going to be out. And guess what? You know, back in the BCS, a lot of times, and this, you know, you could have a gripe for it then too. It wasn't a perfect system. But if you finish third or fourth, odds are you weren't going to win the national championship. Odds are you weren't going to beat the number one seed. Well, now if you think that you could be the third team in the college football playoffs, then maybe you could beat the two seed, and maybe you could get to the national championship game, and maybe the one seed could lose to the four seed and and be upset. There's different moving pieces here where you could have a gripe from not making the playoffs to believing that you are the best team in college football. It was an easy, lame argument that if you didn't make the BCS championship game that you were the best team in college football but you didn't have a chance to play in the everybody could make that and it was kind of drawn out and you know maybe you were right sometimes but usually the BCS got it right here you're opening the window more teams are getting in and you got to play for a national title you have to it's not just one game where without a doubt nerves are going to be with it are going to affect teams And now you're going to have more teams being excluded. You never had to worry about the number six team in the BCS missing the college or missing the national title game and being upset about it. Now the number six team was only two spots out. They were the second loser. Maybe that's the best team in college football. We'll never know. So the point is, back in the old BCS, you wouldn't think twice about that. Well, they're four spots out. Who cares? Now it's a little bit closer. I think you're going to have more complaints coming from this, but I'm okay with it. We already got our first Ask Yates question in, and it's a good one. I look forward to being able to ask you that, Yates, here after this uh, next commercial break. But we need to talk a little bit about Scal Labissier. 
So Gary Parrish wrote an article today talking uh, about Scal and how there's a chance that he may never play a college football game. Rob Blackhawk, let me get to this before I get to that. Rob Blackhawk says, so you're against college football playoffs or the current format? No, I'm all for it. I, I do. I would prefer eight, and I think we're going to see eight, and that's going to be where it finishes off. I'm all for it. I'm just saying you're going to get more arguing and more people griping. I'm all, I like it. I like the idea that you don't have to just play one game to win a national title. Now you've got to play two. I like the idea of having more teams have to compete against each other. I hated the idea that the selection committee, the BCS, or the BCS, not the selection committee, the BCS would just pit two teams against each other. If you did that in college basketball, Kentucky would have, well, you know, I guess two national titles since John Calipari took over. Kentucky's also been lucky, been benefited from the tournament aspect because they wouldn't have, 2011, nope. 2013, certainly not, and certainly not this past year. But I, I don't like the idea of you somebody selecting two teams, putting them in a national title game. I like having them play for it. I'm just saying you're going to get more teams complaining now than you did with the BCS. Get another Ask Yates into the show. Anyways, to Scalabissier, very quick. Well, oh my god! Okay. Well, I I like reading what people have to say into the show. Stove's asking, "Are am I saying that the BCS was a better system than the playoffs?" No, I'm not. I'm just saying you're gonna have more people complaining because more people are gonna be involved in the pool. That's that. All right. So about Scalabissia. Gary Parish writes an article today saying that his guardian, Gerald Hamilton, who I talked about on the show yesterday, asked. AAU coaches how to profit from a prospect. Now, he's running your, this Reach Your Dream Foundation, uh, has been doing it since 2005. Scalabiz, he has played for a different AAU team every summer. He's transferred high schools, like I talked about yesterday. You know, it was clear that Gerald Hamilton was running this recruitment and wanted to run it away from anybody that could try to, you know, theoretically steal the spotlight away from Scal. I, I got I get the feel and I get the vibe that he didn't want anybody getting too close to Scalabissier because that was his baby, that was his project, and if Scalabissier was ever going to hit it big, he didn't want Scal to forget who brought him here, who was there the entire time. So now it turns out today that Gary Parrish interviewed some people close to Scal close to the AAU scene in Memphis, and they said that Gerald Hamilton asked them how he could profit. The article goes on to say that it's unclear if Scalabissier will be able to play another game. A source told Gary Parrish, I doubt the kid ever plays one minute in college. The whole thing's a mess. I just feel sorry for the kid. Here's the thing, with this, and, and I suggest you read the article article, make an opinion for yourself. But here's the thing. No matter what you hear about Scalabissier and Gerald Hamilton, none of it falls back on Scalabissier. It's not like he's taking money. He's profiting money. He's talking to agents. By all accounts, he's a great student. He's a great kid. I've interviewed him. He's been he's been fine. Uh, it was kind of uncomfortable when you'd ask him questions and he would 
almost timidly say, you have to ask my guardian. It, it, it was just almost like a robotic answer. You know, he'd talk to you about his game. He'd talk to you about it, the way he played. And then you ask one thing about the recruitment and his face would just shut off and go, you'd have to ask my guardian. You know, it was almost hammered into him that, hey, I'm not in, I'm not in control here. I'm not in charge here. And that's sad. It is, it is sad. And you get the sense from this article that Gerald Hamilton goes to Haiti and other impoverished areas and kind of preys on potential talent to bring them to the United States. The commercial appeal of the paper in Memphis did a story. Scal Labissier wasn't the only one brought over from Haiti. Samuel Gene Giles. And Gene Giles, uh, sources told Gary Paris that Giles that Gerald Hamilton went to Giles coaches and said, could he ever play college football, college basketball? The coaches said no. And then Giles was shipped off to Boston the following day and out of Gerald Hamilton's care because he was a bad influence on the rest of the kids in the Reach Your Dream Foundation. So without a doubt, without question, Gerald Hamilton is a scumbag. He's a loser. And it, the recruiting scene would be much better without people like him. You know, you could say potentially the United States without people taking advantage of kids looking to gain from themselves. If all this is true, which, you know, knowing the situation, this is not a surprise to me, then, uh, I, I, you know, I can believe that it's true. But again, Scalabissier, he's never been in the wrong. Now, will that matter with the NCAA if they really are keeping tabs on him already? We'll see. It, it depends. But it, it is certainly a sad situation. But I do find it interesting that everyone is saying Scalabissier is going to end up in Kentucky. That seems like common knowledge. But now you're having all these Memphis sources start to speak. If you Google Josh Pastner, Memphis, Scalabissier, you'll see these glowing articles about what a courageous story it is for him to leave Haiti and start anew in the United States and how he survived the earthquake. But just now all this is coming out, I think that's not, that's not a coincidence. There's sour grapes in Memphis that he's leaving the area so all these people are starting to speak. Had he stayed at home and gone to Memphis, I don't think you'd, you'd have all this stuff. Now, on the flip side, maybe Gerald Hamilton did enough damage. Maybe he asked for too much, tried to be too controlling to a point where Memphis said that they were done with him. I have a tough time believing that. But there's a lot there. And he's a loser. He's a scumbag. If Scalabissier does decide to go to Kentucky tomorrow like many are expecting, then you just have to wait and see how this ha- how it plays out. Worst case scenario, he doesn't play for UK. And if UK doesn't only gets one other power forward or one other center, then Kentucky could be in trouble. 
but I doubt that to be the case. So uh, interesting stuff, and we're going to talk more about it. But we're going to head to our last commercial break. We're going to come back to Ask Yates Wednesday. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Don't make the dog lose it. We just blow drove and keep the flow moving. In a 6-4 league and baby who cruise it. Body wagging till we get blue and had him hydraulic squeaking when we screw it. Now she's yelling, hollering out, snooping, hooting, hollering, hollering, hooting. Black and beautiful, you the one I'm choosing. Hair long and black and curly like a Cuban. Keep grooving, that's what we doing. And we gon' be together until your mom's moving. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz on a cold, ugly Wednesday. It's going to be cold forever. Anyways, all right, without further ado, Yates, you ready? I'm ready. You've been prepping yourself to answer these questions that you don't know what they are? Yes, I have. I've been studying up. All right, good stuff. All right, the first comes from your buddy, Trevor Kelsey. Oh, geez. <laughs> he wants to know why you deny us daily 140-character tidbits by not having a Twitter account. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's not really any good answer for that, I guess. I I don't know. I, it's like it's That sort of stuff, I'm kind of slow to jump onto and it eventually got to the point where I just had never joined and didn't join and I don't know now it's just one of those things where I know I should get on Twitter but I haven't so sorry sorry to disappoint him, but there's not any real good answer what do we have to do to get you on Twitter this isn't another question this is a follow-up question um I mean I don't I mean at this point there's not really anything stopping me from doing it other than Exerting the effort to sign up and come up with a good Twitter handle. Well, I, I, I say you do it. Let's make it happen, Yates. I, I could guarantee that we could get you at least 10 followers. That'd be a start. That would be a start. I, I would be pleased with 10 followers. I'd give you a shout out. For Louisville fans, I don't have a huge Louisville fan following, but um, we could we could get your numbers up pretty early on in the process. All right. Well, for the for the sake of the the Ask Yates segment, I'll I'll say that by next Ask Yates, I'll have a I'll be on Twitter. All right, way to go, everybody. This is going to be good. It, you know, again, people are very, very intrigued by this mysterious Yates character. You described yourself in seven words yesterday, but that didn't do enough. You know, maybe 140 characters, a tweet here and there. You know, just a little hashtag L1C4. You seem like a hashtagger. So, uh, I'm probably not a hashtagger, but I'll throw in some hashtags on Twitter, sure. Rob Blackhawk wants you to know that he'd follow you. So there you go. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Anyways... Um, to the next question, this one coming from Clavy116, who also had a very hot take on the college football playoff uh, that I did not see and will not bring up now because um, it's too long and we're already way past that. Also, Trevor texts back into the show saying that he feels like he accomplished something getting Yates on Twitter. I agree. Way to go. And we got to hold Yates to this by next Wednesday. Anyways, uh, Clavy116 Ask Yates if he could be the host of the Sports Talker with TJ Walker for a day and allow TJ to be the co-host. Yates, your thoughts? 
Would I do that? Is that, yeah. is that the question? Uh, the that's, that's the question. No. The answer is no. I would not do that. <laughs> All there's, right. I, there's a reason I've chosen to be on this side of the microphone. Do you do you feel like if, you know? But every time I, I send a question your way, you do a pretty good job with it. You, you give lengthy responses for the most part. It, you, you just don't feel that you could do a show or would want to do a show for an hour. No, not really. I mean, I, I've obviously you know in the business I've thought about this a lot. I would never want to do a show by myself. I would maybe potentially one day like want to co-host a show, but doing a show by yourself is incredibly difficult, and I'm uh, self-aware enough to know that I couldn't do it. So, I you know maybe like I said maybe co-hosting, but the the participation that I get with this show and with the afternoon drive that follows this show is about as much as I probably am, can handle. Now, my question for SCH Wednesday is, am I not self-aware enough to know <laughs> that I, uh, about the doing a radio job by myself? Are you, I mean, you do a pretty good job by yourself, so. Thanks, Yates. That's what I wanted to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed by anybody who can handle a show by themselves. I've, I've interned with people who, like, I've, I've done internships before, and there's been, like, a guest host come in who you would think would be okay because they're maybe a TV personality or something, and they struggle. I mean, it's, like, uncomfortable to be in the room or listening because they it's it's hard to fill that much time essentially talking to yourself. It, it has been an experience. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and I'm sure I'm probably better now. I like to think that I'm probably a little bit better now than I was back in January and February where I, when I started, but it was a lot harder than I thought it'd be. It's hard to be able to produce your own content having guests is nice but also it's you know if i have a guest that takes up a big chunk of my segment and then basically i'm doing the show by myself for a combined 15 20 minutes so uh, which is a third of my show uh, so guests are good but it, it is it is challenging and again you know i've i've done student radio before where i've had other co-hosts uh, and that actually that was only an hour hour long just like this show and that was significantly easier although probably you know quality was just as bad uh anyways uh another ask yates wednesday question is we, we've got a couple i'm trying to decide which one's the best and honestly you all that are sending them in i'm not really impressed with either one uh <laughs> i don't know which one to go with all right we'll go with brun dmc's uh ask yates dirk moved nine into ninth all time in scoring uh, is he better than Hakeem the Dream? He's the highest scoring foreign born player. Um, I'll say no. I mean, if I was going to start a team and pick one of those two guys, it would without question be Hakeem Olajuwon. So that, without that's a, question, yeah. Uh, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. He's fifty one now. He's a little bit before my time, but I, I, I do feel like we're going to look back at Dirk and wonder how he only won one NBA championship because first off during that NBA finals, when, when they beat the heat, uh, he was unguardable. I mean, he could just scored on he, he scored every time. Almost. It seemed like, you know, I'm sure he didn't shoot a hundred percent, but uh, just with how tall he was and you know, his little step back, you couldn't guard it. And he was going to hit every time. I, I, I think if you had, if he had more talent around him throughout his career, it's not crazy to think that he could have had several more championships, but as you have it, 
he wasn't able to end one by himself. Uh, Brun DMC, uh, I like the question. He, he says he's sorry to disappoint. Uh, it, it, it just, you know, we, we need to, it's, you know, it's SCH Wednesday, so we can ask him whatever, whatever we want. So, you know what? I apologize. Solid question. Um, I would I would take Dirk, but that might just be an age thing where I don't really know enough about Hakeem Olajuwon. Anyways, we're out of time. We're going to head um, to we're going to head to a, a twenty three and a half hour twenty three hour break, not half hour. I'm stealing a line from PTI and uh, stick uh, stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. Plenty of good programming left, and we'll be back tomorrow at three o'clock. So thanks for listening. We'll see you then. My old Kentucky home. Uh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 270, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of troll. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone.